So last week I started speaking about thriving, how do we thrive as Christians and flourish in a time of chaos? And these are kind of distressing times. I'm just talking to somebody, hoping it's like, okay, it looks like the numbers are going down, right? In Detroit. So, like, so I'm talking to people in print. Yes, this could be the beginning of the end. Like in the U.S., numbers are going to be going down. Kuwait numbers have been going down the last couple couple days. But this could be the end. But I would never bet on me because I've called it wrong every single step uh, with COVID-19. I thought in uh, December of what uh, 2019. Oh, this is not even a thing. This was passed, and boy, did I get that wrong, right? Um, so I will, I think, and I hope, and I pray this to the end. I have no idea, and we have no idea. And this is why this is a distressing time. It's, it's a difficult time because we we hope for things and we anticipate things, but those things are often wrong, and we don't know. And there's so much uncertainty. I think that's what causes many people, and myself and others I've talked to. It brings a lot of stress. Like, I don't have no idea what the future holds. And we don't ever know what the future holds, but there is like a sense of predictability sometimes in our lives that allows us to make rational decisions and go forward. But in this time, it's really hard to do that. You know, there's a government holiday coming in February, and in normal circumstances, I would probably travel, but I'm like, I don't want to do that. I am scared that the government could. Numbers could spike and they could shut the airport down. Uh, and then I'm um, stuck out of the country. So it makes me nervous to, to do anything like that. Um, I was, and I, I think I mentioned this story last time. I'm not sure if I did, but you know, with the church, I went about a month ago, month and a half to Holiday Inn to see about a place. But like, you know, some people said that the afternoon times are not great. Um, so like, we could find a hotel with the morning time. And I saw a place on Rohan and checked it out. And it looked really good. It was a little small, but it had like a lot of things that we liked. And then the next day, I was like excited, praying, like maybe this could be a solution for the church. The next day, they called me and said, hey, you know, the government's locking down um, hotels and, and, and venues for the next eight weeks. And I was just, and so frustrated. God, what are you doing? Like, I thought that like, I felt really hopeful about that. And then it's like, Nope, that's not happening. Not for now. Maybe not. They could look at at the end of February, but they may not. They might keep it. And it, it just—it's just a frustrating, difficult time. And we need to find a way as Christians to not just survive, but to thrive and flourish. Not that things are perfect, and they're not. But I think God does call us to do more than just be survivors, right? And just make it to. The end of our lives, probably the finish line. And he wants us to thrive, flourish, even in the midst of difficult times. So, last week I talked about a few different ideas, and one of the things we need to do is to have intentionality with our time in terms of slowing down, because life moves so fast, much faster than it's ever done in the rest of human history. And some, some, some ancient Christians and the patristics. Had these methods built in about silence and solitude and meditation 
you know, it says in Psalm 62, that, you know, sit in silence before the Lord, right? So there's this time in our life where we need to sit in silence, meditating on God, meditating on uh, just slowing life down to understand Him, to understand ourselves. This is a, this is a very normal practice among early Christians. And we know that Jesus spent time alone as well. He spent hundreds of hours with his disciples, right? Processing information, talking. Probably saw a lot of silence as well. And that he said that people lived a much slower lifetime in, in over the last hundred years. There were no books, there were no cars, there were no massive supply chain, right? But in this modern world, it's very different. There's tons of life is, is 24-7, right? I've seen people get calls. I've gotten a call on a Saturday morning. It's like from my work, like, hey, I need to talk to you right now. Which even even 15 years ago, that was not a thing. That was not part of my life. I think WhatsApp texts and problems. I need to help solve it. In our bodies, like our minds, in, in our mind, we need rest, like Jesus, to be present, to listen, slowing down. And then the second thing I said was. Uh, we need to seek Jesus to thrive, right? It says, come to me who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus gives rest. Jesus gives rest to us. He is not a, a harsh taskmaster. He has a light burden. He does the work. That's the whole purpose of Christianity, right? That we don't do the work. Every other work religion is like, you work hard, and if you're, if you're, you do well enough, God will, you'll, you'll get lucky and God will let you go to heaven. No, that's not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is that you can't do anything. You're destined to go to hell. Jesus took the punishment. He took the, the blame for our sins because we can never be good enough for God. And he died. He rose again. And all we need to do is believe in that. Pretty easy, right? Pretty easy. All you do is believe that that is true. And we get to be with him forever. That is that, and that's why his burden is light, right? And I, it, it makes you really sad. You think of all these people, especially here. I see these people who work so hard to try to be good, and then they're they're going to die and go to hell. That is just like so sad. Like, at least with people from you know from like the U.S., they they party hard, they have a ton of fun, and then they go to hell. At least they get something out of this life. But it, it seems really sad that there's this, this group of people that they just want to work so hard. But as Christians, we don't have to work hard. We don't have to try to be righteous because we can't be righteous. Jesus is righteous for us. He lived a perfect life. So if we're united with him, if we are believers, then nothing can separate that. Not even our worst mistakes, not even our worst sins can separate that. And we can rest in that. At the same time, we do need to develop that relationship with him for our own good and our benefit. And that's why I mentioned things like reading the Bible, studying the Bible, praying to God. And these are, these are obviously not reckless for you think, but these are things that we do as believers because I want, to, I want a close relationship, I want a relationship with Jesus that flourishes, that grows, that thrives, that he is alive to me. It's not just about believing ideas. That's not the that's not the point of Christianity either. You can you can give me the Nicene Creed verbatim, but if you don't love Him, you're not a believer. 
And we love him by knowing him. We know him by praying to him, by reading his words, by talking to him. But there's more things we can do to thrive as well. So we seek Jesus who gives us rest. We slow down. We also need to pursue people. We need to pursue people. And his word says in John 13, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's a lot of love, right? It's a lot of love in that passage. And it's loving for other believers, other disciples. Right? This has been particularly challenging in this COVID-19 time because we have been isolated from each other. And even though for a time that is good because we're trying to stay safe and obey the governments, this, that, it's not a sustainable way to live the Christian life. We cannot live the Christian life by ourselves. It is highly dysfunctional to do that and it will end up very bad for you. And because God made us in his image, right? And God lived forever in eternity past as a trinity, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in community. God was not just alone by himself. He was in community forever. And he put that in us. Right? It doesn't say in this text that, you know, you would think you'd say, you know, people will know your disciples, all people will know you're my disciples if you love me. And of course, we need to love Jesus. But what he says here is that they will know you're my disciples if you love each other. Because it seems like what he's saying is that we can't see we can't see God usually, right? Can't usually see God, but we can see each other. And like the whole purpose, we look at it, I think at First John. The whole point is, how can you if you say you love God but you hate your brother, you are a liar, right? Because if you can, if you can't even love the people that you see and you can touch and you can hold that love Jesus, how can you love the real Jesus? Right? Our love and understanding of Jesus does not go beyond how we love other people, love other believers, right? If you end up not trusting other believers, that's going to reflect in your relationship with God in some way. You're going to end up not trusting God. And we, I think this is why church attendance is down worldwide. Right? Church attendance has been down. Statistics have shown in COVID and post-COVID Church attendance is down, and I think this is why, because we don't worship God alone, but you can replicate some things online pretty easily. You can replicate a sermon pretty well. You can kind of replicate worship songs. What you cannot replicate is fellowship. You cannot replicate holding somebody's hand and asking them how they're doing. That does not translate well to online service. So that human aspect of church kind of disappeared during this online time, and then what, what do people think? They think, well, I'm less intense. Like, first, it's not that, not that exciting. Because we're the same, the very thing that I think God wants us to enjoy the most one another and loving each other, filling that commandment disappeared. 
so people don't see the value anymore. Now, I'm not saying that online church is not a church. You know, I think there's a way you can know and be known in a virtual setting. I've called my wife. You can, there's a lot of things that can be, that do translate well. I can, I can express love, I can receive love from her. But it's not the same. It's not exactly the same as the physical presence, right? There is something about physical presence that you cannot replicate with an online service. And if you look at the church, when Jesus talked about the church, you know, he talked about, there's not a lot that says what the church is, but he, Jesus basically assumed, he basically knew you're going to gather. This is not something that was like, hey, we're going to start something new. We're going to do this thing called church. No, Jesus said, when you gather, right, it kind of grew organically out of the synagogue, which were Jews worshiping God together in local contexts. And Jesus, you know, talks about living life to the full, right? He says it also in John, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or life to the full. I think that starts with church. Starts with, with being with one another, being here together, right? You're here, so that's great. People who are here, you're here. That's, that's wonderful. We worship God together, right? We spend time singing, singing the songs that we sing. I love hearing other people's voices with my own, my own voice is terrible. I make sure I leave my mic when I sing. But it's actually everyone else's voice, right? Together, as a community, worshiping God, not just isolated, not just on our Spotify app by ourselves, but together as a group. And that's one of the big reasons I wanted to have that first Friday kind of monthly, hopefully monthly celebration where we get to spend extra time doing fellowship, doing time with each other, knowing each other, being known by one another. Because that is, that's something that I've missed so much during this time. Right? That I, I really love that the unhurried time after service, people are able to eat pizza and talk. I talk to people for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And some of it was spiritual, some of it was not. But you're, you're getting to know each other, and our relationship, those bonds are forming and getting stronger and closer. That's one of the things I really thought is that it's valuable. And the Bible says it's valuable. However, if to know and be known by people, to have these relationships, it doesn't just start and end at church. You know, we need to have those deep because the service is, is somewhat structured, right? You know, we, we do four songs or five songs, there's a time of greeting, there's the sermon, and then you're done. So you get like not that much time to do life in the service. Right? But those deeper relationships can start at church, and that's how you meet people and talk to other believers, but it doesn't end there. Right? We need to find people we can be more vulnerable with, open up our lives with. Know who people are. Get to getting together outside of the service. Hey, let's have dinner. Hey, come over to my house. Hey, let's do a play date together. Those kinds of things allows those relationships to get deeper. And you can share things about your life. 
Right? We talked before about Naomi being vulnerable right, with the women of Bethlehem because she knew those women prior to her 10 years in absentia. She knew those women, they were the women she probably grew up with. And as you share things about your life, it allows some of these, these walls and the, and the masks and the different things that we have in our lives, those come down. Those diminish. And usually not quickly. It takes time. It's not, it's not super fast. But you start to see those things start to diminish. You see that openness and, the, and their journey and their struggles. And that's what all the one another's of the, old, of the New Testament talk about. Loving one another and caring for one another and bearing one another's burdens. That's where that happens. So if you're thinking, like, I don't have anybody in my life like that. Well, you can, there's people here, right? Start here. Come talk to me. Come talk to anybody in this room. And then take the next step. Invite somebody for coffee or dinner or uh, just some time to chat together, play dates. It's not an instance, right? It's not a formula, but I've had relationships and have relationships here that have been deep and meaningful and powerful, and they have impacted me in, in profound ways for the kingdom, for Jesus. But as I see other people love Jesus and how they struggle to love Jesus, it makes me realize that, first of all, I don't need to have shame in my struggle, but also that I can pursue him more wholeheartedly. So find people like that. Even if you're only here, I know a lot of us, it's transitory, right? We're here for a while and we, we move on. But even if you're here for one, two years, that is a great time to, to grow and to get to know one another. I think the expat, the expat life allows that, right? People are more willing here. And I'm talking, I've been here for 15 years. I know many people who have been here and left. They say it's much harder back home to make those relationships than here. Because people are willing, people, we all kind of know the deal. We're all not sure how long we're going to be here. So it's like, here's all my life and my, and my good and my bad and my problems. Right? People are much more willing to go quickly because it's like, well, I don't know how much time I'll have, so let me just dump out my life on you. Which is good, right? And everyone's kind of, in a sense, we're all new, right? We're all new in some sense of being here. So people are willing to do that here, which is great. So take advantage of that. And it does take work. Like all these things, they take work. It's not like it just happens naturally. It's messy, right? Life is messy. People have problems. People are broken. I'm broken. I have problems. But as we listen to people's stories and listen to their walk with Jesus, and as we show empathy, we understand where people are coming from. That relationship will develop. It's a two-way street. You know, you, you can't just all your problems on somebody and have to fix them. Or just here, you need to also listen to their stories and understand them. Right? And this is what relieving the burden of our life, you know, as you share things, our research has shown that as we share and show empathy, our brains are changed chemically. Our neurons are changed as we keep just sharing things with one another. It shares the burden, right? And this is what Paul, I believe, was talking about when he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
who we're transformed often through the relationship with one another. That's how our minds are transformed. We hear each other's stories and talk and know and we know more. It's not an achievement basis. I mean, that's what's so hard about this is that we live in a world where we achievement is everything. We're trying to show how smart and how strong and how capable and how independent we are. That's the whole world system we live in. Right? I said this before, but on your resume, you don't say what your weaknesses are. You say, well, my weakness is I work too hard, I, I care too much. Right? Nobody says your real weaknesses. Right? So we have to live in this achievement society where no one wants to share any weaknesses. So that makes it very difficult for us to do that. We have that's, that's the Christian life is countercultural. The culture says, achieve, do hard, do better, try harder, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But no, the Jesus, the Christian life is about being humble and saying, I'm struggling here. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? I'm dying. And that is. Uh, that will relieve the burden in any way, way better than the achievement-based ideology. So we need to make sure that we are having relationships that are impacting us and that we can know and be known by. Another thing to help us thrive is to get enough sleep. It says in Psalm 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Right? And this is, this is people think, well, sleep is not spiritual. It actually, it very much is. Because God made us. God is God. And God does not need to sleep. He does not rest. But he created his creatures. We are a creature. And God wants to show, wants to show us through sleep that we are not independent. That we are not, uh, we are not like God. Right? We have limited resources. We have limited energy. And especially in a stressful time, people need to sleep a little bit more. And even though I think, you know, I can do so much, if I can actually sleep, I could be so much more productive. I could, I could get so much done if I spend the extra eight hours at the nighttime. I mean, I could, I, I got all kinds of things in my life that need to be taken care of. But that's pride. That's that's our, our pride and our, our our ambition to to control everything. And sleep tells us that we keeps us humble. It tells us that we can't do it all. We have to trust God for our to do list. I never finish my to do list usually, but I'm at the end of the day I'm tired and it's like okay God, I just hope that this works out. That's how God made us, you know, to, to need that six to eight to nine hours, right? There's that day and night rhythm. God created the sun for the day and the moon for the night. But we live in a world now where you can have, you, you, you could work 24-7 if you wanted to, you could turn your light on. But that's not how God intended us to live our lives as believers. And you won't thrive, not for long. You cannot flourish and thrive without sleep. That's how God made us. Right? That's, that's why people, you can die from not sleeping enough. Early onset dementia comes from lack of sleep because your brain needs to heal and release all those toxins from the day. 
you know, neuroscience is starting to catch up with what the Bible has been saying the whole time. That there's times where we need to rest and sleep. And yes, there are seasons of less sleep. I know. I had two kids. I had my son was up with me in the middle of the night last night, almost a whole night, sniffling and, and crying. I did not sleep well. But those are short seasons. That's why I keep telling myself, these are short seasons. And sometimes our hard time, we have to work extra hard, we have to work through the nights. But that, again, is a short season. And we should, you know, practically set a schedule for bedtime, right? And I, I'm so easily on the weekend, I'm like, yes, I have so much freedom. I want to watch a ton of TV and just relax and talk. But I try to, okay, I still need to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I, I want to get rest and my kids wake me up early. I need to be ready for that and I want to feel rested. Another thing to help us find is creativity. Creativity. It says in Genesis, Genesis 1, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So we see that even in creation, we see the creative works of God. Everything that is beautiful in this world, God made it. If you look at the stars in heaven, it is incredible what God has made. I was in, several years ago, I was in uh, Wadi Rum in Jordan. If you ever have a chance to get out there, it's incredible. It's just magnificent because you feel like you're on the face of the moon. There's no light pollution. You see billions of stars. And I just was in total awe when I saw it. I would love to go back and see that again. Just incredible. One of those kind of was very humbling because you're so small and the universe is so vast. And this is also how we're making God's image. God is a creator and he's creative in his works, not just functional. It is beautiful. And we see it. We see the beauty of this world. And we are made in God's image. So we also need to, to be creative. Yeah, we're not like God, we're creative of nothing. But he wants us to be creative because he is a creative God and we are made in his image. And this is something out of the routine. You know, sometimes I'm like, a, I can be like a, very much like a robot. You know, I do the same things every day. And I, sort of, I love that in some ways. Um, but creativity allows us to kind of break from that routine. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who's creative needs to be a skilled artist or an incredible musician to be creative. You can be creative just by making a special meal for your family. You can be creative just by listening to some music. Creative just by reading some poetry. By memorizing some scripture passages. We don't usually memorize or read much. That's creativity. That allows our brains and our minds and our souls to grow and to survive, to thrive. Right? We need that creativity. I know the many creative here and we all God gave all of us. There's no you can't say I'm not creative. Well, we're making God's image, so we all have some creative capabilities. You know, my wife she likes to draw. I'm a terrible, terrible draw. I draw worse than my five-year-old son. But she likes to draw things and do some painting sometimes when she has free moments, and I can see how that lights her up. And for me, I like occasionally I do music, and that also is like very invigorating for me to listen to music. 
and to play music. So we need to be creative. My last point is that we need to, to thrive, we need to balance our use of technology. Right, we saw with COVID a leap in technology, a leap forward, right? Zoom was really, really a thing before COVID gave forces to have these online forums and meetings and MS Teams. And we saw, you know, some statistics in the US say that, you know, the amount of TV people have watched during COVID is up by 33% of a third, right? It's the most amount of time people spend besides sleeping or watching the TV. And I'm not saying technology is evil. I'm not saying we should all be Amish. I think there's lots of Amish people there. That's not how we should live our lives as Christians. Because technology can be a blessing. It is a blessing. And it can be used to further and expand God's kingdom. Right? It's a tool. And you know, things like the Jesus film and other technological resources have allowed the gospel to grow and spread. However, we need to have boundaries, boundaries with technology, because otherwise it will just suck us right in, right? I, uh, I started not watching the news, so I just couldn't deal with it, uh, because I saw it was so depressing. It was so, like, because bad news sounds, right? Obviously, there's plenty of bad news to go around. But as you watch that, it doesn't, it's not helpful, it's not beneficial to me as a, as a believer. I know that things are bad. I don't need like a 24 7 news cast to kind of replay with all the lowlights of the day and the month and the year. Also, social media, I've cut that out of my life for the most part. Facebook, I find it to be this uh, thing that made me jealous of other people's digital fake lives and like how they were so successful and happy and Things are going wonderful. We all project that, and that's what Facebook and other social media outlets do. Um, but I found that this is not making me happy. This is not. This is not beneficial. It's not helpful to me. Right? And we can. We need to use self control. God has called us to power, love, and self control. It says. Now, when I thought about this, like, what if we did as a church or individually? I, I, Technology facts. You know, fasting is this idea where you deprive something, usually food, physical, so that it helps you stretch out your soul towards the spiritual, right? You, it shows you your, first of all, your, your devotion. You want to devote yourself to God during this time. It also shows your weakness. But imagine if we fasted from our technology, right? How would that change the relationship with Jesus or relationship with one another? With our sleep, right? With our creativity. Yeah, of course, we have to use it for work. And I, and I use it for work very regularly. But how much extra time would we have if we put this away in our life more? Right? We spent less time on this. And I do it too. I'm not even preaching to myself. I can just scroll through articles, you know, about the stock market, about Bitcoin, about different things in my life. And I can just I can spend all my time on it. It's very easy to do because it kind of like it populates all the things that you're already interested in, which is scary in and of itself, right? So, oh, I know I'm interested in this. I'm going to read this article. But I think, you know, we say how busy we are, we are busy. Life is busy. It's hard. I think we'd have quite a bit more time if we took less, used less technology in our lives. 
As I said, it's not technology that necessarily evil. We need to remember that we live in a world and we have an enemy, the devil, and his job is distraction, right? Distraction is his job. The world's job is to distract us from all the good and the beauty and the love that exists. And technology has allowed this world and the devil, the enemies of our souls, to make a world that can be full of distraction. And this is what causes many people to go to hell. It's like, well, I can do this later. I can believe later. I can shoot Jesus later. But this is more entertaining right now, and I'll just enjoy this. Right? And also for Christians, if you are a believer, the devil can still distract you, the world can still distract you to have, make you have an ineffective life. A life that is wasted. And yes, you can go to heaven, but I don't want to look back and have any life. Man, I spent so much time doing nothing that mattered. Nothing that mattered for eternity. I would, that would be, I think it's going to be a really rude awakening on that day. The day when Jesus comes back and judges us, even though as believers we know that we're going to spend eternity with his kingdom, with him. But there is going to be a judgment, and it's going to be real, and it's going to be, it can be a very a scary day for many of us. But I, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to end, end my life that way. I don't want to feel like I've wasted my life. I spent my life just enjoying technology and doing things that didn't matter. I think God wants us to be thriving. You know, it says that we are, it says in Romans 8, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. In the Greek, that's, the word is hyper. We're hyper-conquerors. And that is especially in the previous verses say that even in, in spite of tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sore, and it says, no, in all these things, in these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So we are in a time of stress and, and distress and uh, danger and tribulation. We're in that time. But God has called us to be conquerors. So we need to make sure that our souls are cared for as we spend time in the Word and in prayer, that our minds and our emotions are nurtured through slowing down from the busyness of life, that we need to seek to be known and to know one another in a community. So we don't have to go like go through life alone as God is never alone. We also need to get enough sleep to recharge and face the challenges for each day. Because God created us with this need and desire. And God is creative. So he's called us to be creative, to break out of our routine sometimes to create and to bring order out of chaos as God did, even in our small ways. And finally, let's consider and really pray about how we can use technology in a balanced, intentional, and responsible way because of its distracting and addictive nature so we can focus on the reality of this world. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for my friends, for my family here. I pray that you would help me, that you would help us to 
to thrive in this world. We want the world to look at us and say, wow, they're doing life very differently. Chris is doing life very differently. He is happy. He is enjoying life. And he is thriving and growing, even in this difficult time. I want that to be what people say. I don't know if that's what people say or not, God. And I pray you help all of us that the world will look at us and see something beautiful. And I pray that you just help us to, to be the light and the salt of this world as you call us to be Jesus. And through some of these ideas and these points about how we can grow and thrive and flourish, not that life is perfect, but that actually is very much the opposite. That I think people will see it better against the backdrop of chaos and difficulty and COVID if they see something different in us. And it helps to do it, God. You know, these are these are these are things that we can do, but we, we live in a world and we have an enemy that wants to distract us and to keep us from being from 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 thriving and growing, to be ineffective. I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want this group of people to be ineffective. Help us to be effective for your kingdom and to make an impact on your kingdom and to love one another, to love your people, God. Bless each and every one of them. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.